welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. All right, all right. Welcome back to another Knock On Podcast. This podcast, it's going to be named Barklows and Backstraps. <laughs> Man, we've never done a podcast like totally sober either, I don't think. So it's 11 totally in the morning sober. here. Well, it's and, uh, Yeah, it's and 11. Not in person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's going to I don't know, people might hate it hearing the two of us just like totally <laughs> sane. Normally normally we've done po- we've done podcasts in like where you were completely mentally burned out in freaking Montana, where you're just <laughs> until that last minute where you shot your bull, you were about ready to freaking kill somebody. Yeah, I will tell you that time of day doesn't have anything to do with being sober, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. I think um, I think I'm going to try to get out to Andy's pretty soon to podcast. So I I don't know. I might. I might detox for a week or two. I don't know if it's bad to detox or it's kind of like, I don't know if I'm, if I really need to go somewhere and like weight lift. Like I, I know I'm going to winter strong this year, um, with Bert. So I'm kind of debating like, do I just lift heavy all the way up until the day in case they freaking make me do something? Or do I need like a little bit of a rest? So I'm fully charged up and I'm not sore, but I'm, I'm doing now, that same thing. Andy's, I would- to take the same approach as training for a marathon like you just want to taper off so that you hit your peak when you get to his house like when you hit his front doorstep you you peaked (laughs) well i'm gonna try that i'm gonna try that yeah much much better snow up there than we do right here like he keeps posting videos him and trevor and i'm like jealous like we don't have a lot going on right now in the mountains is trevor up there yeah he's at andy's yeah, Trevor and Arlette. Yeah, they're up there boarding. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. I didn't see that. But the last couple, the last couple days, well, really the last week, I've just been in. Like when people start telling me something, I just tell them, "Is this in 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 relation to the launch of the backstrap?" And they're like, "Well," and I just said, "Can't hear it." because just all these videos that'll be coming. You know, I'm really excited about. I'm really excited about this next season of school and knock um i think this next week as soon as people receive this first run of backstraps we're going to launch the episode one and it's going to be a a four the first to start it's going to be a four segment course and i'm going to space out each segment by one week just so that people aren't like binge watching and trying to rush the process and i don't did i share with you any of that yet did i show you any of those yeah, I I, sh- I watched the first episode. And what do you think? You, uh, I, I'm telling you, it's it's the medicine that that most people need yeah. if they know it or <laughs> you know. And we can get into that, but I think your timing's perfect for the launch. Your timing's perfect for school and knock. You know, this is the right time of year for people to you know assess their capabilities, and and they've got three months 
four months, you know, to work on. It's perfect. On improving themselves, you know, before yeah, spring. It's perfect. It's a perfect amount of time. And the only thing that's hard for me is I got to do a good job of letting people know that episode one is episode one is a counseling session. You know, this isn't, you know, I'm approaching this the same as if someone, if I went to work with a team or a lot of people struggled with target panic, or if I had an individual student that was, you know, that I was working with that first day, there would be a lot of me watching them shoot. And then also just, just really talking, not showing, but talking about some of the things that are happening within their mind because a lot of people don't really know it's happening and honestly some of the things that i talk about like i remember pretty vividly a really close friend saying you know i never thought that like me freezing beneath the target was a form of target panic and he and he's like but once i started to understand like what those little anxieties are I kind of came to the conclusion of, holy crap, I have target panic. And he's like, at that point, I I almost got a little bit freaked out because I'm like, okay, I got this. I never really thought I did. I just thought that I, you know, struggled with aiming. And then obviously from there, just like with anything, once you identify a problem, it sure is easier to, to solve it. But if you don't, you know, if you're driving around and you're like, what the heck's, you know, my truck's always had that weird knocking going on. And, you know, you don't want to like be up in BC on one of those roads. And all of a sudden you realize it's a freaking tie rod and <laughs> you launch off the side of a mountain with, with Bert yeah. or Dusty driving, you know, it'd be better off to say, what is that knocking? Get out. And just someone that's there with you look and be like, dude, your freaking tie rod's loose you know, what does that mean and how do we fix it? So yeah, week one is going to be a counseling session that is going to hopefully educate and identify. And then, and then people can make the choice of, you know what, this is something I'm ready to deal with, or I'm not going to deal with it. You know, I'm I'm not going to, I'm not going to like go through this whole process and, and that's fine. I've been there too myself. It's just, if you're not ready to like fully commit and, have this internal I don't know for me and I I think you're 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 wired the same way there comes a point where you have like once you know you're doing something incorrectly and you know like this is the right way to do this crap like this is the right way to do it you can have these internal like talks with yourself and I you know I tell people I get mad at myself when I know I'm not doing something right and once I knew that I had target panic and I also knew what I needed to do to fix it, when I went back to my old way, I'd be like, damn it, you know, no, you know, no, no. Okay, this time, this time I'm doing it, I'm going to do it like this. And and you have to have these like internal talks, you know, with yourself to like have some, some of this stuff corrected. I mean, even internal fights inside my head, you know, I mean, I had it, I was trying to figure it out, say 10 years ago, and they didn't have nearly the tools on the market that they do now, especially this backstrap that's coming out. So, you know, back then, if you wanted to figure it out, you had to learn how to shoot a thumb or a hinge. And I mean, those are not like the easiest things to learn to do. Um, But, you know, you say it in the very beginning of your video. I mean, just like it's an AA class and this is the beginning of a 12-step program, it's like, 
the hardest thing to do, the biggest hurdle is to admit you've got a problem and, and show up for day one and, and start the journey, you know? And I mean, I've got friends that are, I would tell you they're better technical shooters than me. Um, I would tell you they're more accurate and I know that they struggle with, with target panic, at least at times. And I've mentioned it to them and they kind of don't want to admit it. And I say, Hey, you know, when, when you're ready, just come have a talk with me and, and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of, you know, be your mentor, whatever they call it yeah. <laughs> to kind of walk you through. Um, but that's the hardest part, man, is just to decide because, uh, once you do that though, to your point, like it's kind of liberating, it's not easy, but man, you'll, you will never regret the decision to, uh, to improve. Yeah. I've, I don't, it's hard to describe the feeling but I, like even in that video, but also I've talked about it several times on the podcast, but I really do remember the first time where I had a, a, a surprise shot to where my pin, I was trusting my pin moving and I wasn't like battling myself, like keep it on there, keep it. I was just like, okay, yeah, it's doing that thing. And I'm just going through the shot. And then all of a sudden it just goes off and I didn't like flinch or blink. And I just see this thing freaking go into the center of that 12 ring and like literally right exactly where I remember that red fiber optic sitting on the 12 ring when that shot went off. And I just thought like, holy cow, that was, that was like real different and man did it. And so then I was like, okay, and I pulled back and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden it just started happening. And from there, and I don't think I talked about this in that, um, I know I didn't talk about it in the first four episodes because there's one episode I haven't filmed yet. The fifth episode is going to be graduation. And for that, I really need to be outside because I feel like people really have to apply this for a while and get to the point where now they can go to a distance and make sure um, they're not creeping back into an old way because they're now shooting further there's there's this next step of the exact same thing that works for you at five yards is the only thing you need at a hundred yards too but I feel like even though I got to the point where I felt good making those shots and, and I was loving every second of it I remember getting to the point where I started shooting better than I thought I could and so then the only thing that like was making my like I guess my panic or my anxiety creep back was when I would have this wad down there and I'd be like don't mess up that group and so that's a different mentality too because instead of you saying like watch this I'm gonna break a freaking knockoff you're like that group's so freaking tight you know don't wreck it I want to get a picture of this thing which is a hard, you know, that's a hard step because that's that's honestly every single world record I ever blew came down to the fact of one last arrow and either someone saying like, you shoot a 10, dude, it's a world record. And then you start thinking about that or mentally I would tell myself, you know, if I shoot a 10 here, it's a world record. But it's like, it's kind of like, there's a small little variation in what you could tell yourself versus what I did tell myself that would have really changed those outcomes. And I learned a lot of that from Frank Zane, actually, 
who, uh, for those listening, he's a three-time Mr. Olympia, you know, back in the Arnold days. And he was very like mindset. He was, he was a training machine, but very mentally strong as an athlete. And when I, when I used to work with him, because we kind of traded each other, you know, lifting lessons for shooting lessons. I remember just how I talked in the house at times. He would, he would really stop me and say like, some of these keywords you are saying to yourself immediately impacts your your personal like it impacts your personal um, self image or what you think you can do or what you know you can do it's a it impacts that so you know instead of me saying you know oh my gosh if I get if I have one more if I get this last arrow in there it's a ten you know, you'd be way better off having the, you know, saying to yourself, man, this next shot's going to be so freaking, this next shot's going to be the best shot I've made all day. You know, it's like, if I would have done that, the outcomes would have been so much different than, you know, having this one freaking arrow that's just a little bit out and you still shoot awesome. You know, it's still good enough. It's still good enough for like, holy shit, you shot one arrow off a world record, but the reality is I could have shot a world record, but I, (laughs) but I let it get to me, you know? So there's, that's kind of that next step is once people get to the point where they learn to shoot good and they're making good shots to not put self pressure on by wanting to shoot so much better that you kind of miss because you add pressure to yourself you know that you just have to trust that shot like you learned i know and you can talk about you can talk i mean it'd be awesome to hear about where you started with that with like your silverback too yeah so i was help me out here how long has the silverback the original been in the market three or four years yeah i would say i started when it first came out so I don't, however many years ago that was, at least three, maybe pushing four. Um, and again, I told you that, you know, I'd already gone through my target panic. Um, I'd been following along, shooting a thumb. Then I, you know, I went from four fingers to three fingers to two fingers, just like you would just, you know, prescribed. But anyways, you know, even, even with all that said, when I got the silver back, I got it and say, you know, December, January, dedicated three months to it, tried to go through the process, teach myself, go through the school of knock, which I do every year. Um, I'm not good enough that I can't not do that. There's always something to learn, but I tell everybody, I'm like, give yourself three months and be, just be patient with yourself because you're probably going to get worse. And when I say worse, like accuracy wise, like you're going to get worse before you get better. And you know, however you prescribe it, but you know, if it's a week or, you know, every session at three yards at blind bail and then in, indoor shooting. But yeah, when you make that progression outside, so say you're feeling really good after three months indoors, when you go outside and you start stretching it to 40, 50, 80 yards, you, you almost regress a little bit because you do like you start to go back to your old ways. You're trying to over aim. You're not trying to just pull through the shot like you should. And so then you got to give yourself another, you know, let's just say month. So I just say four, four months is like, and that's why this is the perfect time. If you've got a spring bear hunt or something coming up, like now's the time, 
Um, but I tell you what, the thing it did for me, like most of us learned to shoot, uh, well incorrectly, but most of us started shooting a bow when we were kids. And I always try to remember like what it felt like when I was a kid, like a 13 year old with a bow trying to go shoot a deer or squirrel, like that fun, that joy that I had, like I was losing that and the silverback but more importantly, learning to shoot tension activated or back tension type release, it brought that fun back. It brought that joy back that I had as a kid. And I can go out there and shoot arrows in the yard and I can go and shoot, you know, attack event or I can go shoot, you know, an animal in the mountains. And it's all the same now. Like it's, it's, I've done it for so long that, that I just, that I just, it's ingrained in my shop process. But like I said, I don't take it for granted. And every year when you launch School of Knock, or even before that, I'd be like, okay, this is what I'm gonna work on this winter. Or hey, I'm gonna start School of Knock and I'm gonna progress through it. And then depending on how that goes, maybe I need to work on a few additional things. But if it was, if I was the president of archery uh, in the world, you literally could not shoot any other release besides a silverback or a backstrap at least your first couple years because it, it's going to teach you the right foundation of everything you need to know in archery that's going to benefit you the rest of your life. And, and so many of us that have had to go through the struggle, like we understand it, like you don't want those other people to have to do that. I mean, that's probably something that impacts archery negatively is, is target panic and nobody wants to talk about it. The manufacturers quite frankly, don't want to address it in their products. Yep. And it's just like this dirty little secret that man, once you figure it out, it's liberating. Well, the hard thing is like the number one thing that happens for people, they go into a bow shop and they get set up with a bow and then, you know, it's just, it's easy and it's honestly cheaper to, you know, to get, get someone a, a, a good caliper wrist strap and they put it on and just teach, you know, to pull back and kind of, you know, anchor right in here and here let me put your peep sight to where you can see through that and then you know center your peep sight put that target on the middle and then just you know just kind of squeeze that trigger and that's what people do until eventually you know the index finger starts to take over and one of the one of the things that's hard for me is I love shooting a handheld release and I know this question's going to come up I love a handheld release because I honestly don't like stuff around my wrist, but just as much as I like that, there's probably eight times, eight X more people that love having a wrist strap. They love shooting that style of release. They feel like, you know, they can maybe pull back more weight or, or whatever. Um, or they feel like, you know, if they have to have gloves on, it doesn't change. I've, I've worked around all that because I love a handheld release. But at the same sense, I've never been able to shoot an index finger release because whether it's a day or whether it's two weeks or whether it's one round, I don't know. But at some point, my index finger freaking gets the best of me. I, and for whatever reason, I have control of my thumb. It has a different attitude than my index finger. 
but my index finger has a different has a totally different vibe and so i know that i know that i want you know there's times where i'd love to shoot a wrist strap and i'd love to coach people that way that love wrist straps and but at the same time there was never anything that was done right and you know with the back strap the original back strap um which which was actually my name and that's why you know that's why i have it trademarked um that was a release that uh jerry and i talked about doing when the evolution series first came out and i was obviously the very first carter dvd ever on an evolution was me back before i had gray hair teaching people how to shoot a tension activated release and i told jerry right away this thing is so good for archery we have to be able to get it into a wrist strap and so we tried it but it was so big and so bulky and it it felt very strange on your face because it was so big it pushed on your jaw and it was just it wasn't a good design and the big reason why is because the first generations of the evolution or even the first generations of the silverback which was a slightly different variation of you know of the evolutions um they had to you had to change the springs in order to be able to hit the weight range needed for a lot of different poundage bows now with the new silverback plus we worked diligently because i really wanted that to have a lanyard on it and the reason i wanted it to have a lanyard because you always you you had a lanyard built on yours that you fed through the trigger and i never like or through the safety yeah and i never personally liked it there and i always thought of yours being there and it kind of bugged me and i kept thinking like jerry i want i want the silverback to be able to lay over the top of a knock to it and it's an exact mirror it has to be the finger positioning the finger gaps have to be the same and the finger gap was wider on the um silverback because that internal system that went through the center of it so jerry ended up saying you know i think i have a different way to approach this angle and so when the new system came in from the bottom so that we could then put a lanyard on the back and we no longer had to change out springs um which one spring now goes from like anywhere from like eight pounds to 40 um now that system changed everything and when i looked at it i told jerry i'm like now we can we should be able to make an index finger release to where this safety device doesn't pivot from the outside of the release so if you look at those older style ones that we had done it pivoted on the outside of the release which is why it looked like it had this big gun trigger cage that came out it pivoted from the outside not from the inside it was very very different so this new one is in my opinion just absolutely bulletproof and i remember I think I I think the first one I think we did it like right when the silverback pluses were uh design was completed which was almost 1 year ago and then the very first um backstrap prototype was about 11 months ago and then I know I showed you showed you it in some videos last March or April when covid lockdown first happened and then and then um I sent you a final here, was it about a month ago now or three weeks ago? Yeah, you actually sent me one of the originals as well that yep. I shot. 
Yeah, the first one we called we actually called it the silver strap, <laughs> didn't we? I think that's what it was called on there. Um, yeah. But I kind of I wanted it to be silver, but then I thought people might not hunt with it as a you know the wrist strap shooters that are diehard you know because it's swinging around a lot the reason i don't mind a you know the silver back being silver is because your hand covers so much of it you know it's just different um but yeah now that this final one's out i mean what's what are your thoughts so um you know go back again probably 10 years plus but I, so I I own the backstrap the original um, and at the time it was it was cutting edge especially for somebody struggling to find anything to help combat target panic and you know you're right in your assessment it's it's a because I, I, I laid them next to each other the other day like it's a huge casing if if I'm correct because I didn't shoot it you actually had to squeeze the trigger to come to full draw and then let the trigger off and pull through. So it was, it was kind of opposite of how you would normally shoot an index finger. Yep. Um, and the adjustment was rough. And then, you know, when you let me shoot the silverback plus whenever that was, um, you know, I was super impressed with the, with the weight adjustment of it. Yeah. Whereas quarter of a pound or a quarter of a turn now is like a pound where it used to be like three turns, I think was a pound or something like that. Um, and, and so not knowing that you were going to put it in the new backstrap. And so when I got that, that was the first thing I asked you is what's the weight adjustment like? And you can make this super fine adjustment now to this release in a very small casing that's, you know, doesn't affect your anchor, like isn't this big bulky thing to go, you know, walk around the mountains with and archery hunt with. Um, but the coolest thing is, is with this one release, I can shoot, you know, all winter, all spring, um, you know, as a tension activated release. And then if I, you know, if I, for whatever reason, feel I don't want to hunt that way, I can just back the set screw off a little bit. And when I do go to pull through that trigger, like I normally would, and I had all winter, now it fires like a regular index finger. So with one release, you don't have to change your peep. You don't have to change your grip. You don't have to change your anchor, like all these things. Um, I, I truly think like it's it's groundbreaking. There's nothing on the market that's been like that. Not just one particular aspect, John, but like so many things that you guys checked off and it's like, yep, it's the right size. Yep, it's a good trigger. Yeah, it's an awesome uh, strap. Yes, the adjustment's incredible. You know, yeah, it's made by a quality manufacturer. Like all these things, just check the blocks. Um, and, and I'm really excited. And even though, like you, I will probably not be shooting tack events or hunting with an index finger. You know, I've committed to the thumb. I like the silverback. Um, you know, I've put hundreds of shots through your back strap, but yeah, at a certain point, I know I'm pushing my luck with the index finger. So I just kind of walk away from it. Um, but I'm telling you, this is going to change in my opinion, it's going to change archery for the better for so many people, not only just starting, but also people that, you know, are going through an issue. Like they've got the, they've got the, the secret potion they need now. Um, all they've got to do is put some put some time into it, and uh, man, there's a whole bright archery future for those people. Yeah, I'll tell you, I um, 
last week I filled three late season tags with a backstrap. Oh yeah, I saw. And uh, you know, for each one, I'd I'd put my phone on record and just had it like facing me, just so people could like see the process to go through. And what's funny is, um, honestly, I I kind of came to the conclusion that this very well may have been the the very first time that I've actually made surprise shots using an index finger. Like, and, and you know, for someone who's shot a, an index finger release for, you know, 10 years at least or, or so, and then even now I can pick one, you know, there's been a few times where I've picked up a wrist strap just, just because for educational reasons and shot them and I've went on some hunts with them. And as much as I want to think I was making good shots, I came to the reality last week that I almost feel like my very first shots were I shot an index release the same as I shoot a silverback or a two smooth or or even my noctuits. I feel like it was the first time because I I actually even though it was a perfect surprise shot and I, they felt so good. I remember just. I remember, like, I actually had a personal boost of confidence because I'm like, dude, you just, you just totally made like your pin was floating around in that all in the heart and lungs, and you just pulled. Now, granted, mentally, it felt like it took three times longer than what it looks like in videos. Like, honestly, I feel like because I know I squeeze a trigger and I was like, it's there, pull through. Um. I mean, it happened, you know, within a second or two, but I, I blinked, you know, I can see like when the shot broke, I kind of blink after the shot goes. And that's one of the things that I never do with a handheld release because, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't like, it's not a surprise. It's an expectation to have, to have a shot break when I don't know when it's going to break. It's an expectation. It's not a surprise. And, um, it was obvious to me, like for the first time, dude, even though you thought you had control of an index finger release, I'm pretty certain I never really have because, you know, the shot went off and I kind of just blinked in slow motion real quick. And I, and I kind of just thought, you know what, that felt so freaking good. I'm not a hundred percent sure that I won't hunt with it at times because I just felt like I had amazing control. It was a really cool feeling and, and a big reason why I'm like so excited about this project because I just don't think there's people out there that know what kind of control their index finger has on them. I, I, I agree with that. I don't think a lot of people know what a surprise release is all about what pulling through a shot is all about. I, I you know, I, I've, I mean, I'm a Carter guy. I've shot Carters for a long time. I, my, my box of releases isn't quite as big as yours, but you know, I've spent a small fortune on different Carter releases and I got <laughs> lots of index fingers and I mean, they're great. And one of the things I liked about them was you could change the spring out and put a heavier spring in. Like yeah. that's kind of like, that a was placebo. part of my plot. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, I, you know, you, you, when you sent it to me a month ago, you said, you know, go ahead and shoot a couple 300 rounds. And I, I did, I, like, I worked up to it, getting comfortable, had to adjust a few things on the bow. 
but you know, I was shooting in the, in the low two nineties on the 300 round, which for me is pretty good. Right. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I felt like I had control of, you know, I've not control of the shot, but I felt like I, I was controlling the shot. It wasn't controlling me, you yeah. know, and especially when you start shooting well, even though it's just a goofy 300 game in your barn, you know, you're like, Oh man, like, could, you know, could I get into the upper two nineties? Like, don't blow this shot, you know? And, and, but the process, the, the, the sequence, you know, the shot routine was, was very similar. And, uh, I, I just, I, I agree with you. You said something earlier about, you know, eight X shoot wrist straps or index finger releases. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what it is, but I would argue that maybe, maybe with the introduction of the silverback and not to it, more people are shooting thumbs, but the vast majority of the world does and will continue to shoot index fingers. And that's why I told you this is such an exciting thing because th- this, everybody who didn't want to buy into shooting a thumb, be it a silverback and knock to it, whatever, like this is their solution now. Like you've taken the excuses away for people to not be able to learn how to shoot accurately or uh, 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 correctly, right? Yeah. Like, like this, this is it. And uh, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know if I'll go out right away and hunt with it, just because I'm, I just love my silverbacks, and I just I love the little bit extra draw length I get, et cetera, because I'm kind of short that way. But um, it, it's it's an exciting like. I'm excited for everybody else who, and they might not even know that like this is going to change their archery life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you know, I've, I've had people hit me up. They're like, what do you think? And, uh, you know, I think they're a little hesitant. I think they know they need the medicine, but nobody, <laughs> nobody likes medicine cause it doesn't taste good all the time. But, but, uh, but I, I think you finally with the index finger got, you're just slowly taking excuses away for people and it's like okay here it is now like technology's allowed us to do this thing it's as good as it's ever been done um it's like lasik you know like when lasik came out everyone's just like i don't know freaking i've heard of people's like retinas popping off and shit and and then all of a sudden like you know everybody i know when they finally get it they're like god dang i wish i would have done that 10 years ago yeah yeah nobody nobody's i haven't run into anybody in my years of shooting archery that's ever said man i regret uh beating target panic i regret (laughs) learning how to shoot how to shoot correctly you know it's never gonna happen like you know it's just it's what everybody needs to do so it does and that's the cool thing is like if you've never shot a bow and you're thinking about it like hey congratulations you won the lottery because if you start with this thing like you'll never probably develop those bad habits but if you've got those bad habits uh you know here's here's your here's your solution yeah i mean i'm every time i go to like an archery club and some freaking little punks there that you can tell he you know started watching videos when he was like you know five weeks into shooting archery and then got a freaking silver back and and he's out there just kicking your ass you know and they're like god dude that kid's been shooting four months and he's already better than you you know it's like dude that's awesome because it's so cool that that kid doesn't like 
have to have his dad like give him a hand-me-down mongoose and you know freaking go out there and you know struggle with just pulling back and punching the trigger and starting to over aim and hitch at the waist and lock your front shoulder back and bend your front arm and you know all that stuff that we did yeah you know i just people are just going to enjoy archery more and they're going to stick with it i mean we we all know people that you know they're fired up i mean just in the last few years just with some of the you know my my vet my veteran friends you know and they get in archery and if they don't start the right way, which again, with silverbacks and things, they, they've been able to, but if they don't, then you kind of like, Hey man, you've been shooting your bow. They're like, Oh, not so much. And this and that. And you get them out there and you start to watch and you're like, all right, bro. Like, (laughs) yeah, you know, here's the, they don't know even, they don't even know like what the issue is. They just, they just know they're not enjoying it as much as they used to. And, uh, and then you, you know, you give them the right tool and give them, not that I'm a qualified archery coach, but you just give them a few tips that you've given me and they're back on track, you know? And, um, it's funny. Um, it's like, even when you look at people, you know, I'm just going to say Trevor, Andy, Jocko, Evan, guys like that, that know guys or gals that were lethal freaking military assassins, you know, they would still put, a dummy round in their rifles and catch people with trigger anticipation. And you're talking the best in the world, arguably, right. Or the most seasoned, you know, even if they're not the best, but the index finger freaking loves being the alpha, you know, and that's just always been my issue is, you know, I know what it wants to do and, you know, but it's like having a freaking, an attack dog that you're just all you know it's walking you you're not walking it but it seems like this you know this is like gives you the ability to to just have control on it because you let it do what it wants and that's it wants to freaking squeeze the trigger okay there you go buddy you did your thing cool wait now i'm going to show you what i want to do i want to pull my elbow back for an extra three pounds it makes you shoot the shot you can't cheat it yeah one of the things that i really need to do a a good job teaching and i was always struggling you know how i talk about checking in Mm -hmm. and like how you pull on the back wall that's that's one of the things that when people shoot attention activated release that's one of the things that's so critical for you to learn but there's different parts of that that are critical for learning so what we're talking about is if you draw a bow back and the bow stops you touch the wall but you can stop on the back wall and you can actually be already pulling two or three or four pounds against it or you can just be sitting there with half a pound against it and because the bow has let off and it doesn't have a valley that's trying to steal the string away from you you can sit there but very few people get the understanding unless they start to master like uh, you know up until now the master of the silverback you really don't understand what your variation on the back wall is 
and that variation has effects on groupings so what's awesome is when people and i i honestly did this the first time on my back strap um the very first deer that came out i freaking ripped back and i was i was keyed up and wanting to get a shot while you know this doe was like in my shooting lane and i know i was pulling hard it was cold and i was you know i was bundled up i think i was just afraid of like you know the bow getting take kind of taken away from me or whatever so i was pulling pretty hard and when i started to squeeze my trigger the shot broke um but honestly i was aiming on the target and it shot broke and it was a surprise but it broke because and i told myself i'm like oh you're amped up you're pulling way too hard against the back wall so on you know so honestly the next day i just kind of put a quarter turn on my release because i know like in that hunting moment i might be a little bit more keyed up but learning that back wall pressure is it's critical to accuracy it's critical to repeatability and even though you may feel like a tension activated release like a silverback or a backstrap you might feel like it's inconsistent with how hard you have to pull the truth is you're inconsistent in how you're pulling before you disengage the safety that's such a critical that's such a critical point that i'm glad you brought up i've seen it with several friends who have gone and um you know dedicated time to shooting the silverback and you know one of the things you'll you'll get over a couple weeks is hey this thing is inconsistent it's not breaking at the same at the same uh you know weight and i'm like okay well let's go get up a scale and and you know pull it a dozen times and it breaks within a point point one or two right pounds i said it's not the release it's it's you and so this checking in that you talk about is so critical and it's something that i've gone through because i you know i didn't I didn't hadn't heard you when I first started shooting it about the the checking in part, but that tension against the back wall is is so critical to consistent uh, accuracy, uh, you know, especially at long range for me. And then uh, your point about hunting with it, so you know, I've hunted, I pretty much hunt exclusively with the silverback now for the last whatever it's been three and a half four years whatever it's been yep. it's 40 plus animals now i've killed with the silverback i've never once ever had an opportunity like blown up because i was shooting a tension activated release right i've never had an opportunity yep um but i do but I do, knowing that I'm going to get amped up, especially elk hunting, I do put just a little bit, say a quarter turn in, just a little heavier. So when I pull through, um, but, but I know this because I've done it so much. And, you know, one of the things that the questions I've already gotten from people is, you know, do you hunt with, with attention activator release? And I was like, 100%. Because yep. I feel like I am completely, like every shot I've made, probably every shot I've made in the last three and a half, four years, whatever with the silverback, like I am in the moment. Like it doesn't just like, Oh my God, I blacked out, you know, like uh, Will Ferrell in old school. And he's uh, <laughs> debating, you know? Um, but the cool thing, and I, I think one of the coolest things about the backstrap is if somebody feels like, okay, well maybe I, I don't feel that comfortable yet to, to hunt with it in tension activated mode. You just back the screw off a little bit 
and it's the same release, but when you pull the trigger and pull through, it just fires like a regular index finger. Yep. Um, so, you know, but you've, but you've learned your point earlier about the tension on the back wall and that consistency. And now when you pull through and you shoot it like a regular index, you know, you still got that same great technique that you've built up in your subconscious. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that helps people with target panic and honestly what helped me most with target panic is inconsistency in the timing of when the release fires because if that release fired the exact same all the time you will naturally have anticipation with it if i shoot a knock to it and put thumb pressure on there it'll go off it you know i like to be within a window so that i'm efficient in not like taking too long to make a shot but depending on how aggressive i was by engaging my thumb on the trigger or how aggressive i was through my pull for example if i'm shooting out in the wind and i know the wind is blowing i you know once i decide i'm gonna make this shot i mean I push the pedal harder, you know, meaning I'm pulling back at a faster rate. And I also know that I'm not trying to shoot the inside of a 12 ring. I'm trying to shoot a vital. So when people ask me about like, well, hey, that whitetail was walking. How do you make a walking shot? You know, which honestly, my walking shots are going to be within a certain range for sure because i know how long an arrow takes to get there like for example that buck that i shot over the decoy with the embark bow you know he he was coming in and moving but you know my pin was on him that whole time and at nine yards you know my arrow's there in half of a second so i mean i'm talking a matter of a few inches so once he slowed down enough and i got my finger around that trigger i mean I was at a eight out of 10 when it comes to how hard my, my elbow was pulling back through that shot. And it was way more dynamic when the shot broke, my arm is going back faster because I was pushing harder. You know, I was pushing a lot harder against it. I wasn't just kind of barely leaning and leaning and leaning. So there is, there's an importance to understanding that speed and your acceleration. So like, my acceleration for for like shot activation indoors shooting a vegas face is you know it's just like being in town with a bunch of people in the car you know i'll stop at a stop sign and put my foot on the gas and see how slow i can move it you know to get the pedal starting to move and kind of coast off and then as you know as i get 50 yards away from that thing i'll be up to speed you know but i'm not like freaking gunning it you know yeah and that's an important part of not having an exact timing is actually a critical component to overcoming uh trigger or shot anticipation now what people ask me is well did you use an evolution to cure your target panic my answer is no there was nothing like that right there was a hinge release now the first time i tried shooting a hinge release i honestly got to the point where i would just snatch that thing because honestly because i i kind of knew when it would fire so really the innovator to to all this variation is ulmer right because ulmer had 
a rock climbing bag, chalk bag with about 10 different uh, releases in there. They were all hinge releases and they were all set differently. Now I still have all of mine that were pretty much the exact same as what Randy used. And for the first, once I overcame target panic and made that first shot that I talked about, I realized pretty quick that I did know how much that thing could move before it would fire. And I remember talking to Randy about that. And he said, that's why I have this bag. Some of these releases will fire very fast. Some fire very take. I have to hold a lot longer and be way more patient and, and, and trust a lot more movement. And then he, he always had one in there that the moon was flipped around to where it wouldn't fire at all. And so it kept him honest. He knew that if he freaking snatched that thing, it wouldn't matter. It wasn't going to fire. So he'd reach in there and spin around this whole big bag of tricks and pull out one. And it could either be lightning hot or it could be one that didn't fire it at all. And so over time, your mind just starts to realize, okay, I don't as much as I want to know exactly when this is going off, I don't know when it's going off. And then all of a sudden you just get to the point where you you trust float, which is a big, this is, this is a big term that I'm going to embrace this year because it's something that I feel like is a mental missing length or link is trusting the length of your float. You have to trust your front pins float. If all you're worried about is, firing when it's the stillest then you are anticipating what's happening and what you have to do is just trust that float and that movement it's such a critical that 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 may be like in hindsight the most critical thing that i had to work through mentally is is looking at that pin float you know because guys will ask me they're like well you know how much is your pin float like is it just like welded on the target i'm like no Nope, not necessarily. Um, you know, the reason I was laughing there when you were talking or smiling is, you know, you and Almer have cost me a lot of money. <laughs> uh, but but I, 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 it, it's money I would pay double for, you know, in hindsight. So just yesterday, I've been shooting blind bail just, just for something different to do for a week. Mm-hmm. And I've got three silver. I think I own five silverbacks right now. But anyways, I had three silverbacks set to different tensions in my in my release pouch. And I was doing just what you had described. And, and you had told me this when I was working through the silverback and trying to refine my technique. You're like, well, you should have at least two set differently. And it's okay that they break at slightly different weights or slightly different times. And that's where you start to embrace that pin float. So the whole thing, the whole thing, especially, you know, holding against the back wall, like all that really starts to come together and integrate. And you might not know it. I didn't know it at the time, but, but it, but it does. And then, uh, you know, I told you I wanted to learn to shoot a hinge and then I wanted to at least hunt and, and shoot something with the hinge. And I did, and, and then you said, well, if you want to be a Jedi master, now you have to have at least two hinges set different, <laughs> different weights. So I did that. Yeah. One has a click. One doesn't have a click. I mean, I haven't reversed. I'm not smart enough to reverse the, the moons. But but over time, what I've realized is I can still manipulate the hinge if I want to. Yep. And if I shoot it too long, then 
it's not good for me. So what, what I've done, and I, I think I've heard you talk about this, but what I've done, you know, throughout the course of the winter or even the spring is, you know, I have my different silverbacks or I'll shoot silverbacks for a week or two. Then I'll switch it up to a hinge and shoot that for a week or a couple, three days. And then I'll go to a knock to it and I'll just, and, and maybe, maybe even within a 300 round, I will shoot three different releases just because, you know, they're all, they're all basically the same head lengths, um, just to keep my mind active and not, not just kind of trying, cause it's going to want to try to second guess, mm-hmm. right? It's going to try to want to get ahead and figure out and game the system. And I just never let that take hold in my mind. I, I just keep rotating through. And, you know, for me, it just, I feel strong in my shot, mentally strong. Yeah. Um, Because of those tools, you know, that you've been able to to kind of impart on on me and others. Have you ever, have you ever like implemented some type of a, like an actual, like physical mantra sentence that you repeat during your shot process? So I have, I've had you know, shot pro, you know, shot routines. It had like probably nine words and then shot routines with five words this year to going into this. But are you saying a shot routine, meaning going through the steps? Or are you talking about once you let off your safety? Yeah. So this year I had shot routines where I would go through my steps yep. this year, maybe last year, but this year for sure. Uh, you know, I've heard you have something where you say, pull, pull, pull. Mm-hmm. And Something that I don't know how I discovered it or came upon it, but uh, I, I so this year my mantra has been patience is rewarded, patience is rewarded, patience is rewarded. And what what I realized what that did for me is I, I all of a sudden discovered that even shooting in my yard, that like my my bow hand, my release hand, all of a sudden they relaxed. I I would drop my shoulder more instead of, you know, that shoulder tends to want to creep up sometimes, especially at long range. And that I don't know if it was the word patience or whatever it was, but that's the mantra that I've that I've stuck with probably, you know, since early summer, late spring, all the way through season. That has crazy enough that has put me in the right mindset to shoot the right shot when i need to well yeah that's awesome the mantra is good i like that but i'm going to coach you for a second okay and so for your homework you're going to have to go back through this podcast and fast forward to like you know 50 minutes (laughs) and so what i want you to do is listen back to this podcast of when you were telling me what your mantra just was and you're going to realize that without you knowing it you just said that mantra faster and faster and faster what you said was um patience is rewarded patience is rewarded patience is you know you 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 got faster and mentally you could be doing that and losing patience the longer you're on the target and so that's going faster so what i'd like you to do is make it a point to where that mantra if anything gradually gets slower for you to say it and that way you actually are doing what you're saying which is your patience will be rewarded you you accelerated every time you said it i did so um that's actually 
that was a subconscious reaction to what's happening when you're aiming and what you should actually mentally do is while you're doing what you're doing in your shot allow that that reward to come from your patience of slowing down rather than getting more anxious the longer you're holding and see if it helps you out um yeah because mine you know mine is you know i've used it for a long time i shoot x's because they make me feel good you know and it and that's that's the pace of mine you know i'm not like i shoot x because i make feel good like you know because that is it's 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 triggering you that you're running out of time and what you want to trust is that you know you want to trust the float um and that patience is good you know so go back and like as you exercise you know try to ingrain some relaxation in being in there um which i don't know what episode but i I think in that first school knock i do talk about you know i i think i talk about you know trusting that float and and being okay with being in there yeah i'm certain i do and um yeah, I think that'll help you a ton, you know. That's it, awesome. Thanks, Dud. Yeah, see, <laughs> but that, that the little things like that or seemingly little things can pay huge reward. Yep, yeah, but, for sure. Well, that's for sure. I, I just said it to you, and I can – like I was going back through my head, like shooting that bull this year. It's like, it, yeah, that pace definitely – especially when he moved, it definitely picked up. <laughs> yeah, but it, like – but like back to the lowest rung of your training, so yeah, now but, to embed it yeah but like yeah right now you can embed that patience but certainly during hunting moments your subconscious will have the ability to accelerate that because it knows that it needs to but during training there isn't a need to you know if anything you need to to reinforce the opposite direction but one of the things that you said too you talked about how you do, you know, just so that you don't become stagnant and stale, you try those different releases. But what's important for people to hear is that you have had at least three years on a silverback Yes. to where I think it's very fair to say, unless you shot a regular like index finger release for a couple months or, you know, maybe a month to where you started to, to feel some tension there, some anxiety, um, you've shot that silverback enough to where you're fully comfortable going to different styles of release to get the same outcome. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of people that are not at that level yet. And honestly, one of them is a, a mutual friend of both of ours, Peter Atia. <laughs> oh, so uh-huh. um, right now, Peter, P, he actually got grounded. So... um. I told him he's not allowed. I sent him my very first two smooth. I mean, it's silver. It's my very first one. And I said, I am not going to coach you or talk to you about archery again until you have put 10,000 rounds through this release without doing or changing a single thing. Because he was changing so much that he he still has not truly you know 
learned and what he told me was he said after about a week he's like i never knew it but i I, he goes i honestly feel like i had target panic at at 20 yards because Mm -hmm. like he couldn't shoot as good up close as he could out far and it just got to the point where i feel like he was changing so much he really didn't have a baseline he knew no baseline there was no baseline established because there were way too many variables in the equation the equation changed every day um i even told him like i know you love shooting outside and i know know you guys love doing all these different targets and different distances but honestly if you even have a fraction of target anticipation or doubt in what you're doing is right, which I think some of his was, you know, lack of confidence. Lack of confidence is definitely going to come from lack of being prepared. You know, I, I mean, I would think of it like for Peter, if even though he got trained to do freaking brain surgery or whatever the hell he did, um, and I think he talked about a time where he had to do a cosmetic surgery based on it was an ER, yeah. it was an ER trauma. Yeah. And even though he was like trained to do that, he like, he told, he talked to the story about, you know, he called like the professional and said like, Hey, this patient in here like needs, this is a serious job. I, you know, you need to come in. And the guy said, no, you know, you have training to do it. You need to do it. And he was kind of talking about how he was he was fearful to do to kind of do this right, even though he had the training. Well, that's lack of repetition equals lack of confidence. So you have to you have to apply something so much that your confidence is like uncrackable to where you can then utilize that confidence and sometimes you know hopefully you you don't have to where ego takes over but that confidence helps carry you into another realm to where you honestly don't have qualification but your confidence allows you to overperform without you knowing that that you really shouldn't be so like for peter and for a lot of people that get this release if you're str- if you go to school in oct day class one and you know okay yeah i do have this problem you have to freaking just commit and like lock stuff up because when i would travel to countries to work with teams and there was times you know i think once i was somewhere for for th- you know i got hired for 30 days people's bows were locked up in a shed for seven you know because the only thing they could do was make two to three hundred shots a day on a string you know with with evolutions and until they could make flawless shots for a day with an evolution there's no way i was giving them a bow because you just you would slowly gravitate back to an old habit you have to you know it's like just because you just because someone you know gives you a bag of concrete to like you know pour a new driveway or a new foundation you can't like mix that thing and pour it in the forms and be like all right there's my freaking got my foundation that's cool looks awesome and then pull the forms off and you know three quarters of the way through you can't you have to be like 
I'm pretty sure it's dry, but damn it, I'm going to leave them on there a couple more days. <laughs> you know what I mean? You you have to do that. And and if you do, the freaking foundation that you've poured for archery will be unbreakable. But if you if you leave any ability, like if you cut a corner to where there's not rebar in there, you leave the ability for that thing to be shook at some time and you don't want it to crumble you want it to just be like holy cow that was that was rough but i'm gonna go back to school and you know class one and just kind of polish this thing up a little bit and then get back on track i mean that's really what i want i i think it's such a huge point that you make about we'll just say in general, you know, people wanting to advance quickly or, you know, in Peter's case, I know that, uh, you know, he was talking in September about wanting to learn how to shoot a hinge because Joe was shooting a hinge. And, you know, I don't really know Peter's archery pedigree, but there's so much information out there that people can, you know, good or bad that people can find. And, you know, I mean, even 10 years ago, bro, like nobody had access to include me, like nobody had access to world-class instruction, like what you're putting out now. Right. But now that you're putting it out, you know, people like they want to advance super quick and yeah, maybe they, you know, they want to have a bag of releases or they want to shoot 120 yard X's or whatever it is. But, but what you do with school and knock and, and, and you know, this, I, I know this from my former career and, and you know this from people you've talked to and you know from your own career, like what what are you really good at? You're a master at all the fundamentals and all the basics, right? And even you, John Dudley, when you go through school and knock, what do you start with? And I, I don't know what you're gonna start with this year, but I think the last two years it's like, I'm gonna practice where I stand, what my footing is like, that foundation of the shot, right? And you work through it again. And I think a lot of people are like, yeah, 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 I already know all that. And it's like, no, bro, like this guy's been doing this for decades. He's got all kinds of success and he still goes back and makes sure that his form is grounded in fundamentals. And, you know, it's such a it's such a critical point. It doesn't matter if you're a military sniper or jumping out of planes or diving or shooting bows or whatever you do. Like those mastery of the fundamentals is critical that you, you know, that that foundation is 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 a great analogy because people just want to rush through that. And what they don't realize is, you know, back in your day, you probably spent a year just digging the foundation before you ever even poured the concrete. Probably right. More. Or you had to yeah, back and, more. And, work on it. and so, you know, you can advance so quickly as far as getting the information on social media that people want to advance and and you and I have talked about this the advancement of somebody who picks up a bow today and where they are a year from now is light years ahead of (laughs) where you or I was right back in the day because I certainly I didn't have any of that instruction but it's it's quick it it's it's easy to get out in front of your ski sometimes and then you find yourself in a place where you're like yeah I have to eat some humble pie and go right back to to square one day one and start working on my footing and, and build back up. And I don't ever want to be out in front of my skis again. And that's why I'm not, 
I'm not too proud to go, yep, oh, school of knock, awesome, been waiting on it. <laughs> three, I'm, you know, I'm going right back, I'm going to trace my footsteps on the concrete, and I'm going to, you know. It's go so perfect for December, because, like, and I don't know, a subject that, I don't know if you've ever brought up, but I'll bring up, one of the, I don't know, I don't want to say it's frustrating, but one of the, one of the things that just, it's not really a thorn in my side either. I don't, I don't know. I just, I feel like it has a potential to be destructive, even though it's not meant to be that way is right now. There's so many people that are, that just want to have relevant information that they put it out there. And I know for you, like your expertise in, you know, in just freaking severe you know, death defying weather conditions and, and cold weather survival, your expertise there goes back to where some of the people that are trying to give people information right now, they were still in, they were still in like freaking super awesome, high quality fiber diapers back when you were trying to figure this shit out with fucking cotton you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. it, and it's like, for me, when there's people that are, that are asking me, well, so-and-so's telling me I need to do this for target panic. You know, I'm looking at, okay, well, this person's been on social media for two years. Honestly, I've shot less since I've had social media by a long shot, because the reality is you're not doing the, what your expertise is near as much because you're trying to take time away from that to film it to get it out there so like if i film a practice round i could have practiced two to three x that number so if i go back pre-instagram or if i go back to years where you know if i shook your hand like these calluses that i have right now from holding a release are like they look like baby hands compared to what my hands were like you know in late nineties and all through, you know, the first all the way up till 2010 or, or later. I mean, the number of repetitions that sometimes that I would have in one year would be equal to what I'll guarantee you. Some of these people that are given advice have done in their, in their careers. Like it would be like, you know, a one to 30 ratio. It's not even, it's not even like relevant. And I just feel like as much as people want to listen to some of these quote unquote experts in the field, it's just hard because there's people that honestly are good people and they just want to have a niche. And Hey, I've, you know, I, I really fought to try to break through to where I had a pedestal to be able to, to finally, you know, have a voice and stuff like that. But it's also a struggle because some of the information out there, it's, it's fragmented because they've done a good job of getting a basic understanding of par- of partials and maybe they got it from you know some of the same places where I learned or maybe they've got it some from experience but there's also it's not solidified and I don't know it's a frustrating thing because I know what I'm what I'm teaching I know that it's worked so well for like way before I ever put anything on YouTube or I know, I mean, I know the same's true for you too. 
And it's almost a distraction to have to answer questions of, well, this person, you know, says this and this. And it's almost like, actually, this has taken more time away from me being able to just give you stuff to where I don't want to call bull crap on that stuff. But, you know, there's people right now that are that have YouTube channels that are freaking way more, you know, busy than I would ever think. And these are people that were asking me how to fletch arrows freaking a year and a half ago and they're telling people how to shoot properly when even if they shot as aggressively as i did there's no way they've got 50 to 100,000 rounds behind that weapon not to mention you know a, a million or you know a half a million to where you really have the ability to to help someone through mistakes because you've been there it's it's like regurgitation without authorization or something you know i don't know how to explain it but you kind of follow what i'm saying uh, yeah I, I i don't want to go down too many ra- i won't go down any rabbit holes i'll just tell you that that yes i agree so the frustration is there and I know probably most people mean well, but the, the frustration for somebody like you or I who are so well-versed in what we've done with decades of experience, um, you know, that's kind of, in, in some regard, that's kind of a downside of social media. Um, you know, S- Snyder said something, I don't know, he said it to me, I don't know if he said it on podcast, but he said, nowadays, it's easy to get uh, information or knowledge but it's hard to get experience and wisdom. And so there's no way to get 30 years or 20 years of experience and wisdom that you've got, except by doing it for 20 or 30 years. It, it's real easy to go and look up, hey, how do I fletch arrows? You know, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, you've got a YouTube channel teaching other people how to fletch arrows. It doesn't mean you're good at it. And it, it probably only means you know one or two ways to do it. You know, I was writing something yesterday and it's like when I knew I was really mastering my craft is when I could stand in front of a group of people and I could convey some information or teach a point and then be confident enough and capable enough to field all the questions that came back from differing points of view or from people that had different experience and wanted to do different ways and have that volume of experience to sit there and answer every one of the questions until and still tie it back to the main point that I was trying to make, right? You have this volume of experience, this this huge bag that you can draw from of, of knowledge that you don't just know one way to do it. And I, you know, I don't know how to get around that. You know, I would just say for people buyer beware, um, you know, to a certain point information's good cause it is advancing the cause say of archery, but, but at a certain point, you know, there's a lot of false prophets out there too. And I, I think that people are going to find out that if they continue down that road, they're going to, they're either going to smoke that, whoever it is, I mean, I don't have anybody in mind, but smoke those people out as being fake. Um, or they're, you know, they're just going to move on because they can't, they can't give them the depth of knowledge that they're seeking. You know, I mean, I've known you for three years, I guess. And dude, I mean, the knowledge that you've got, I'm, I'm convinced I haven't even scratched the surface of what you know about, about archery. 
but I you've already most of it. <laughs> advanced, but you've already advanced you know my learning so much but it's like you know i've heard you talk about you know i don't want to go down too many rows but just you know wind drift on arrows and all the different arrows and weight configurations and and the veins you have to put on that and how you charted it all out it's like you don't get that by doing this a year or two and you don't get this by shooting 30 rounds in a practice video and posting on youtube you know you you've told me like eight hours a day where you're shooting hundreds of arrows a day a thousand arrows and it's like that's what it takes to get where you went and and the success you had but that's that's that experience now that you have to fall back on to be confident and say this is why i say you should do this and here's the experience I have to back that up. And if you've got a question and if you've gone down a left or right rabbit hole, like I've probably seen it before or done it myself that I can I can knowledgeably bring you back on on the path because I've been there myself or I've seen my friends, you know, there or I've got this experience. Um, I, I, so, again, I don't know how you combat that, except, you know, like my my friend would say guy new in the Navy. He's a preacher now. And he said, John, he goes, what I've learned is as a preacher, I need to say the same things 10 times for everyone in the congregation to hear it once. So even though sometimes we feel like, you know, you're kind of saying the same thing over and over, there's such fundamental points, right? School of knock and everything you cover is so foundational to everything you'll ever do in archery, no matter if they become an Olympian or just a, a you know, a regular bow, bow hunter, like those foundational principles, you know, are, you know, are so, are so important. And I think some of the people that, I don't want to say they're pretending, but they don't have the same experience. They want to go through and advance all this stuff and do all this high speed stuff, but they 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 don't have the the, the fundamentals to fall back on, right? Yeah, it's just like, well, if I don't talk about something new on YouTube, like people aren't going to follow me. I'm not going to make money, whatever the case is. And they start doing all this crazy stuff, and all of a sudden they get in front of their skis, and they kind of get shown for kind of the I don't want to say fake, but but the lack of experience that they've actually got, you know? Yeah, Aaron's way, what you said Aaron said was spot on. I mean, that's a really good way to put it. And, and it kind of, it reminded me of two things. One, it reminded me of, you know, jo- like Jocko, Jocko, Andy, Trevor, Evan. I mean, all these guys, Rogan, these are all people that freaking got came into archery or bow hunting and honestly like you and i have had conversations a million times like these freaking dudes have done more in two years um and obviously i think you know joe's been doing it a lot longer but these guys have done more in two years than you know it took us 15 or 20 to do that yep, same 100%, 100%. thing but but with and 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 from like a skill asset i know you're probably getting tight on time but from like a skill asset like jocko jocko freaking shot the tack with me five times and i would say you know i lost a few arrows and he lost a few arrows but you know we were being extreme on our shots but if I would have tried to shoot just the tack course the first time 10 years into my 
into my career, I would have not had enough arrows to finish that course. And I mean, he'd shoot it three times and, and hit every target, you know, at just stupid stuff. And I told him, I said, dude, you're just like, you, you don't even know how far ahead you are. And he's like, he goes, I'm just a stupid monkey that like, I just, you, you like handed me this thing and you taught, you told me how to do it. He's like, all I want to do is just do those six things every time. And he's just like, he's not trying to like overcomplicate his gear. He's not trying to change stuff. He's literally like, tell me what I need. I showed him what he needed. You gave him that first sick load out. And he's like, damn, this is right on with like what I used to use, you know, on the teams. And dude, it's like, that's his freaking locker and his locker stays exactly how it is but in saying that there's also times where like when you come across someone that is truly at a different level you realize you realize that and it's hard to like to to distinguish those people and i'm going to give you an example um our our mutual friend wes I mean, you know, he's a great friend, right? Great friend. Love that guy. But, like, his experience in, like, the amount of animals he shot with a bow, um, not the diversity of different species, but in particular, like, how many whitetails he shot or been part of tracking. Um, as good as I feel like I am with tracking freaking west blew my mind last month i mean we were we were cruising around and um doing some management stuff and i saw this doe and took this shot and it was like really close to like last light so we we go off and you know get, like i'm like here's blood right here and freaking west tracked a blood trail at a speed to where I don't know how he even did it. And I'm and at times I was like, is he even on blood? So I'd kind of get up to him and you know, he knew like if we don't find this thing, it's going to be way too dark and we're also not going to know how to get back to a freaking road cuz I mean, you know, it was just you know how it is. And so every I'd kind of hustle up to get to him and then sure enough, like there's blood on the ground and this was um it was kind of a it was like a, I think it was like a liver, a liver and bottom of a lung clip. So the blood was like livery blood. And the, I know, you know, I know the deer went down pretty quick, but it also, you know, South Texas deer, when they hit, run like a freaking, they run like a jackrabbit. So they can cover a lot of ground quick. And by the time we got up to that doe, I just, I'm like, dude, I have never seen someone that could freaking track that fast. And he just said, like, I said, were you on blood the whole time? And he's like, he goes, just from tracking and like knowing what routes these deer like take through certain types of cactus and like, you know, cover and stuff. He's like, if I didn't see blood, I was just going to where my instinct told me they would have naturally went just by looking ahead. And he's like, and I'd kind of get there and then I would see. And I, I, to me, it just like, 
I just realized like, okay, for, for the amount of animals I've tracked, which I would think is a lot, it's like, it was just different, you know, it was just different. And, you know, and you, and you see someone like, you know, like Schneider, you know, people just don't realize it's like, why even have a broadhead debate with him? (laughs) Why, like, why ask, why ask not just follow because he wouldn't use it if it didn't work. And he's probably, you know, that, that's, that's one of the hard things for me when people, you know, knock a piece of equipment that I'm using. I mean, there's times where I'll say, Hey, I'm trying this. It's new, but stuff that I've used for a decade, it's like, I don't know that many people that could get in a a reasonable, legitimate debate about it because it's like, okay, well, if we're going to debate something, then, you know, you need to have 500 examples to like, talk to my 500 examples you know and and honestly on the broadhead thing and i won't even go there but you know even on our elk hunt there was a couple people that use a certain type of product won't even say what it is and did it work 100 percent. they recovered but it was also like they emptied quivers with because it was just they let, did actually empty quivers didn't they yeah because it was like it was quivers. like did they get pass-throughs yep about you that. know yeah. they got pass-throughs but it's like and the shots were like damn that looked like a good shot but it's just like you have this huge animal and you have a, a just a smaller cut and so yeah did it pass through yep but you know, I'm just like, I like devastation, not penetration. You know, I need, I need enough penetration to obviously apply the devastation, Yeah. but it just, I don't know. Some of that stuff is like, it's frustrating because I know as consumers, you really want to know what your best bet is. Like who, you know, what is the best piece of extreme weather clothing and, and what is this? But it, it's like, once you find those people were, everyone's telling you this is an expert like just go with it there's no way i would like say hey dude my mom got me this new um milwaukee battery powered vest you know what do you think and you'd be like well you're gonna recharge those batteries freaking up in the mountains where we're at and i'd be like oh yeah never mind i wouldn't be like well i don't know so and so (laughs) you know Caleb told me it was freaking awesome because you'd just be like, okay, well, Caleb hunts with his son, but he's also freaking hunted for five years and he's never really been anywhere. You know what I mean? It's like just those types of variables makes it hard to give information and people just bite onto it and trust it. And Well, yeah. part of the frustration though, John, is I don't want to speak for you, but I, I know you well enough. It, it's the, the frustration comes from you know, you caring, like we care enough that we, you know, we've been there. We've, you know, you've been through those, those wars before those battles. And you know that you have information that can truly help people like this, like this new release. Right. And, and you care about it so much that when you, when you hear people trying to, uh, you know, distract people from, you know, it doesn't, there, there can be more than one truth, but, but from really solid, you know, long-term 
fought for, you know, earned experience, it's like, it, it's frustrating because you, you care about what you're doing. You care about the people that are following along. And there's just a lot of, I just call it noise in the market is what I, I call it in my world. But there's a lot of noise in the market. There's a lot of, um, there's just not, but there's not a lot of experience. And, and the problem is, you know, you and I started what we do long before there was social media. And, and now you've been able to, you know, greatly leverage that to, to build your, your platform or pedestal, as you said, whereas somebody now can just easily step from, from the, you know, the, the, the corner onto the stage and, and say that they, you know, have all this experience. I mean, Andy's a good example, right? So Andy is humble as Andy is. I mean, almost to a fault in some regard, which a lot of people who don't know Andy wouldn't, wouldn't believe that. But Andy is a humble guy. And as much hunting success as Andy's had, Andy could have a YouTube channel. Andy could have a TV show. But Andy's yeah. the first to say, and again, I think a little too humbly in some regard, that, hey, man, I'm not a hunter yet. And what I think he really means by that is he hasn't hunted long enough to to truly understand all the different animal behaviors and, you know, how to call elk and how to rattle whitetail. So he doesn't feel like he's this well-rounded, you know, hunter yet. Obviously, he's holding somebody like you as as the example, which, you know, is going to take a long time to get there. But like but he's a guy who's humble enough to go, listen, yeah, I know how to shoot a bow. I learned from the best. Yeah, I know how to hunt. I've, I've gone to some great places. I've, I've learned from some great people, but I still don't feel qualified enough to tell the world how to go, you know, elk hunting. Yeah. And, you know, there needs to be a little bit more of that as opposed to the, the chest beating and, and you know, the, the YouTube channel, uh, you know, one year after entry into some new discipline that takes most of us decades to uh, – you know, to master or even come close to mastering. Yeah, I think that's a good way to to really, I guess, wrap up this podcast with, you know, even though there is other noise out there, certainly do whatever it takes to make you as best you can be at archery. But in the same sense, utilizing the tools that we started this podcast out you know about talking about utilizing the tools for overcoming target panic and being the you know really utilizing the winner utilizing this time for training don't be afraid to just really narrow things down and just don't feel like there's a hack or an, a way to like level up sooner just apply the time and even in this podcast alone we've given you the knowledge to be able to apply something for several months honestly right now and that will get you the experience to where maybe you move on to another subject but you know earn the experience and absorb the the education but you know you have to earn the experience Well said. <laughs> All right, bro. Well, it's been awesome. I know uh, you and Jules are going to go out or do something. So I don't know if you're taking the cats to see Santa again or what what you're doing there. <laughs> you know, I I, uh, I I got distracted the other day. I was gonna I was gonna put my Mary 
cat miss uh, sweater on and take another picture with Duke. I still might do it. I mean, it's still kind of the holiday season, but I was feeling the need to, to have another cat pick in my life. So stand, yeah. stand by. Stand it's, by. You might get one. It's time. You, well, it's you should just wear – you need to wear one of those for your videos, bro. Like that, you should have done your freaking Christmas, you know, how to, you know, how to, how to survive a – cold night if you get lost on a binge night for new year's you could have freaking you missed your opportunity i don't know i'm getting ready to do a video this afternoon i might have to break out the sweater i think it might it could be the perfect antidote yeah (laughs) all right well thanks barklow love you bro and uh knock on everybody be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock on lifestyle clothing knockonarchery.com